guess we'll start then. Hello, <laughs> um, everyone. Hello, welcome to Plot Holes, the monthly podcast where we mock films by synopsis. I am your co-host, Megan Eaves, and this is my co-host... Joe, Joe Rebel. <laughs> Sorry, that was a weird I sentence. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what I said. You're the audience's co-host, <laughs> and I'm your co-host. That's correct, yeah. <laughs> so the audience, anyway. Um, it was good. Yeah. We are coming to you today on the 27th of March, continuing lockdown in the United Kingdom. It will never end. Um, So we are virtually convening on a Zoom call to discuss these two movies. And we have a good theme today, which is kind of seasonally relevant. Yes. Did we always, is this theme, is it being with an R or being with with an R? Right? Do you think? Yeah, I agree. I don't because think one that of the, the film talks about a bee, but actually it's... That's correct. That is true. Oh. But they're they're kind of the six of one half, a dozen of the other. Yeah. I, I, I think we should is. just keep being cryptic like this so that the <laughs> listeners are like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> um, so our theme today is rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Not bunnies. Not bunnies. <laughs> it could have been... See, I don't think the one in in our second film is a bunny no it's barely no. a rabbit in fact which we can talk no. about it's um, a puma or something it's a, yeah puma. puka puka puka, puka. Yeah. Uh, we'll get there um so we are going to discuss con air 1997 with nicholas i've K. got the imdb do you want to uh... yes and then after that we're going to discuss harvey from 1950 you watched the 1950 version right yeah. Is there yeah. another version? I think so, yeah. Or like a TV Ooh. version. Anyway, um, yes, please. Open the open us so, up. Con Air from 1997. Newly paroled ex-con and former US Ranger. A lot of mention of Ranger in the film. <laughs> Cameron Poe finds himself trapped in a prisoner in a prisoner transport plane when the passengers seize control. It's a good one, actually. It's a good. Hippie <laughs> yeah. synthesis. Yeah, I mean, it, it captures everything. The only thing it doesn't capture is what I think this movie should be called, which is Con Hair. <laughs> yeah, Nick Cage. Nick Cage's hair is something else. And we've got other good hair in it as well. Like <laughs> Danny Trejo always has good hair. And then Steve Buscemi, yeah. his hair is actually good. His hair was creepy as well. He's the one that they bring out in the like mask. Hannibal Lecter. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, he's creepy. Yeah. This is a weird ass film. I'd it seen is. It Had you seen it? I think I saw it ages ago. Yeah. And same. I is it taking itself seriously? I don't think it is. Is it? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> really hard to tell. I mean, the so the writer is Scott Rosenberg, who also wrote Jumanji and oh. gone gone in 60 seconds and strangely did the screenplay for high fidelity <laughs> in that case it's probably not taking itself too seriously yeah i don't think so but i don't know it's very it, if it is if it is trying to be funny about itself or ironic it doesn't really funny. pull it off <laughs> um it is it's very face-off yeah not just I think of Nick it, Cage but it is but, quite face-offy it's weird because Face Off doesn't is not set around an airplane, but I feel like an airplane is a big yeah, part of it, right. and I can't remember why. <laughs> we'll have to revisit our episode on Face Off and try to remember exactly what that movie is about. There's definitely a long sequence with an airplane. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 
And it, well, okay. it was Nick Cage with long hair on an airplane. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> th- every time when, when I go to search for this on Netflix, it's not on Netflix, but when I was looking for it online, it, you search um, Con Air on Netflix and it gives you the closest possible movie, which is Left Behind, which is also Nick Cage on an airplane <laughs> acting out the book of revelations. <laughs> oh, as a bonus, I've just discovered, sorry, just this is reminding me, mm. that in Brazil, my girlfriend's Brazilian, they don't translate films directly. They always make up a new title. Ooh, so, so what I thought I'd do is maybe I've got I've got a list of them. Yes, please. and they're really quite funny, and you can guess what they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One of them is Flames of Vengeance, just so you know. Flames of Vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> but we can do that later. We can do that. Later. Okay. Okay, we'll do it at the end. Um, Con Air, yeah. So basically, it's Nick Cage who's like this army. It's a ranger, which isn't really ranger. There's lots of men right in the middle. They talk. Mm-hmm. They say ranger about twenty times in the, within twenty seconds. I just realized ranger. I didn't put a timer on for us, so I'm going to put a timer on oh. right now. Um, I'll just say ranger until the time. Just keep saying ranger. Ranger. He's a um, ranger. He's a ranger. The ranger. Uh, yeah, Strider. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. He's a ranger, but that's not a thing. I mean, there are no, army there are army that. rangers, which I think is like a is like an elite force in the army. So maybe that's what he's supposed to be. Because like later in the movie, they're like, "Your body is a weapon." <laughs> that's why he gets <laughs> put in prison. Is because his body is a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that in a minute. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Look, the plot. There's a there's a plot hole in this right at the beginning, but we should just really quickly go through the plot. So Nick Cage, he's comes out of he's like comes back from combat somewhere. <laughs> well, I've got a point of where he comes back from, but carry on. Okay. And then he gets in a bar brawl on like his first night back because some gross man is hitting on his wife in the bar and she's pregnant. And then they beat him up out by some like oil field. And then and then he like kicks all their asses and i think one of them dies yeah so he gets put in prison he pleads he pleads guilty to manslaughter because they tell him he'll get off easy and then he doesn't get off easy because his body is a weapon (laughs) and so he gets sent to prison that's like in the first sort of five minutes that's when all the 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 names are still appearing on the film all the credits yeah yeah quite quick and then he goes to prison and he's really good and he gets out and um then this con air happens and the plot hole is that he's basically he's been offered parole and so they're like okay um it's you you get to go out so he's got his box his box of belongings and he's leaving the prison but instead of just leaving the prison like a normal prisoner they put him on a plane in handcuffs like he's been paroled that is the number one plot hole he's already been Right, why are they not really letting him go? He's exactly. He's just still in prison. <laughs> oh, that is and, and like if you if you unpack that, this movie would not have happened. Like No. So. It's just it's it's not like if can you imagine if the Shawshank Redemption had ended when they Morgan Freeman gets out and gets put on a plane with other prisoners. It's not how it works. Oh, like they're transferring all of these really hardened criminals on one airplane. Like, what? What are you doing? And John Cusack keeps insisting that they don't bring guns on the plane. And it's just like, this is really—it's so stupid. 
Oh, um, can we we need to go back though to Mobile yeah. Alabama because yeah. clearly that isn't Mobile Alabama. It's the perfect storm. Oh my god, it really <laughs> exactly is. The same. <laughs> it's just the like same town, the same bar, yucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Nick Cage has just come back from. He survived that ship. Yeah, where there. did so where did he come from? I don't know. Just like a, they just sort of yeah, he was like deployed somewhere, I guess, or I don't know. He like comes into the bar wearing his uniform. I don't even think that's allowed. No. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't think they're allowed to do that unless they're like on shore leave or something. Yeah. It's like the, the film basically doesn't know how people leave things. It's like leaving <laughs> leaving, leaving the prison. army, leaving prison. <laughs> Leaving your job, you get to put on a plane, you get to your next job. It's very weird. <laughs> it is, yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of good actors in this, which surprises me. Like John Malkovich plays the like really bad, bad, bad criminal, the Hannibal Lecter. I thought you hated John Malkovich. I mean, he, I do, but he's a good he's actor. Good I mean, he's a Ving good Rames. actor. Ving Rhames, exactly. J- Danny Trejo, who I love. Um, hello. <laughs> 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 and then Colin Meany, he's really good as well. He plays the the DEA agent who's like oh. got the the car. Yeah, <laughs> he's really funny. John and John Cusack. Cusack. I mean, John Cusack just looks so weird. He's in one of those oversized 1990s suits with a fat tie the whole time, and he's just like <laughs> he plays basically like a he's not a cop, but he's like a yeah. I don't know what, what is his agent. Yeah, what, what's he? He's not FBI. He's, he's not. No, and he keeps he keeps trying to fight with the other guys who are trying to get the prisoners back. Yeah. So basically, these guys get all get on this plane, and they're really being transferred. Plane. So the plane, the plane, <laughs> dude. They're taking... on, can we go back to the sentence? <laughs> yeah. So the judge says, <laughs> "I'm going to give you a longer sentence because you." We're in the army and your body's a weapon, so you're more dangerous. So I don't think that's how sentencing works. You might better, it doesn't matter if you're six foot six or five foot two. No, that is definitely not how this works. Yeah. That whole and like also Nicholas Cage's Alabama accent, another plot hole. Why can they not just set this somewhere else so that he doesn't yeah. have to put that accent on? Just set it in New York so he can sound normal. Um, <laughs> basically, they all they all get they're all being transferred, and they they came up with some kind of a plot device that that explains why they're all all these yeah. prisoners are going to be on one plane. They're like opening a new prison or something, and they're bringing a bunch of really baddies to this prison. And they're, Except, but they're also like picking up other prisoners in different parts of the country. Yeah, so but the, the, so like this is easily the most hardened selection of criminals. There's one guy, there's John Malkovich who killed like 30 people and ate them. Like there's some bad fuckers in this. Yeah. And then they put him on this like World War II prop plane. <laughs> Cargo plane. <laughs> it's a it's called the Jailbird, and it's. I looked it up. This plane is actually from the 1950s. It's what? like an <laughs> aluminum airplane. <laughs> like it's, and on the inside, it supposedly has all these cells and stuff where they are. But then they put the less bad guys in normal seats. <laughs> <laughs> 
But the seating thing is very interesting. <laughs> like, a few of them they decide. <laughs> like these ones aren't so bad, so they can like sit. It's yeah. It's, and then they're like it, go. It's the future of Ryanair. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> you, like you, you, you have cell. to pay to not get in a cell. <laughs> if I could get my own cell on an airplane, I would be happy. Nice actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like my own space. No one's gonna be like in there. Sounds good. Um so then there's this whole interlude where they have to, like, once they've hijacked the plane, they have to, like, land it for some reason. Did you understand that? I don't understand what that was about. No. I don't either. But they end up landing it in essentially, like, around the Great Salt Lake out in Utah at some airstrip. I looked this up because I was like, where the fuck is that? That's a really nice looking airport. I mean, it's like a, basically a little airfield, but it's real. It's out like <laughs> Western Utah. And um, it, yeah, like it's a real place, like right next to some salt flats. <laughs> That's where most of the action takes place. <laughs> It's <laughs> why, <laughs> why did they land there in the first place? Is yeah, my question. I don't understand why they went there because they seem to be headed for where Mexico or something. <laughs> it's really unclear. I think, and they were going to get a different plane. I think was the issue that they had like some some contact who was going to bring them another airplane. <laughs> arrange all of this from prison oh can we talk about the little like it's a really good point all the the, the the cipher that they use to like exchange messages in the prison it was like they use this like little cutout of i don't know it was like a picture of the virgin mary and like it had cutouts in it so that you could read words on a book page that would give you the codes <laughs> i thought so uh John Cusack is essentially Robert Langdon from Da Vinci Games <laughs> trying to find the missing convicts because it's the Last Supper that solves the sort of mystery. It's the same it scene. <laughs> yes, so right. Actually, it was the Last Supper. That's really funny. It is like that, though, because he's constantly kind of running around confused, like, where are they? And then there's a whole kind of interlude where the DEA agent... Colm Meany, he's got this car, this like convertible. Yeah. And it ends up at the airfield where they land. And then it gets picked up. And then John Cusack's driving it at one point. (laughs) And then it gets taken with the plane, which was the single most unrealistic thing I think I've ever seen in a film. (laughs) Like it gets accidentally attached. (laughs) Yeah, but the car also (laughs) is also like flying. It's never like how it would be like (laughs) Like that. It's also like it's magically like, flying. It looks like, like Ron the, Weasley's car. Exactly what I was gonna say. It's like the Weasley's car. Oh, so funny. It's just like what in the hell is happening? And um, also I heard Rangers lots. Yeah. Did you take a count? Heard. Literally, it must have been about 40 times. The other word or two words that I heard about more than I've ever heard in any film before Carson City they're always talking about Carson City it's like it's like 60 60 mentions of Carson City it's like stop saying Carson City that's a good drinking game for this one yeah. <laughs> uh, there was some good 1990s Doritos branding 
Did you notice? I didn't see that night. We haven't, and and this is going to bring us now to the to the theme of this episode. But so there, the, the, yeah, the, we should explain why. The, the, no, like, well, I guess if you've seen it, you might understand. But um, there, so when he's in, when Nick Cage is in prison, he gets these like care packages from his wife and kid, and he sees like his daughter is born while he's in prison, so she he gets like pictures of her and exchanges letters with her, and um, and then his wife sends him like treats. And he keeps getting these bags of Doritos. I'm like, they're, it's just like the biggest branding for Doritos ever, like product placement. But it's so great because they're just like all these like 1990s brand Doritos. So the, the, the logo looks like super old. Anyway, <laughs> um, in the box, or there's, so okay, here's the other plot hole. The, the <laughs> other plot hole is directly related to our theme. So, the theme is because he has this bunny, the stuffed yeah. animal bunny that he's going to give to his daughter. He's the day he gets out of prison. He's got his box of his belongings that he's taking with him out of the thing, and in it is this new bunny. Where the hell did he get it? <laughs> That's a really good point. He's in prison, and it's like a new. It's in a packaging and like a plastic, you know, little thing. It's like where did it come from? It's just totally unexplained. It's just like, here's this bunny that I'm taking to my daughter. I'm like, what? And then it becomes this kind of sort of icon. Because they discover convicts, once they've taken over the plane, they discover all the boxes in the the hold and one of them is his and then it became makes him kind of like it's like for a while he's masquerading as a as a prisoner rather than a, a parolee and then yeah. they find his belongings and his daughter's letters and they're like oh you're not a real prisoner and then <laughs> then they all turn against him i also the other character that i thought was quite funny was a rapist he's <laughs> <laughs> just i am a rapist <laughs> it's like i will rape <laughs> sorry so funny <laughs> which so... which one was that <laughs> The guy who tries to attack the woman. He literally, the only woman is this guard on the plane and he literally tries to rape her like the first thing. It's as if he like only rapes and does nothing else. (laughs) It's very odd. Uh, You know what, Joe? Like there's just so many... there's so many explosions. I, I got to a point where I was like, I don't think I've seen anything happen except sort of explosions and things kind of breaking and going crazy. I feel like they had more crashes and explosions than any other film ever, ever. I wonder what the budget was. They must have blown up so much shit. <laughs> like, I don't, because most of it didn't look like it was CG. It no. was all real fire. <laughs> Yeah, even like the Vegas landing looked real. Yes, so let's talk about the Vegas landing. I like that bit. Actually. I thought that was really good. It was because, like, I don't I know. If that was clever. I mean, that it they was land on the strip. I liked it. The only thing but geographically is geographically inaccurate. Well, exactly, and this is the other plot hole. It's like the Vegas airport is like right next to the strip. We can't make right it next airport. to it. <laughs> it's right there. McLaren Airport, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But you've been there. Yeah. But it, 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 for me, I still feel like now it's 2021. So kind mm-hmm. of the idea of a plane full of a hijacked plane full of convicts landing on the Vegas Strip actually isn't that far fetched. <laughs> like that could kind of happen in the world right now. 
We've got like a tanker stuck in the Suez Canal <laughs> with virus on the That's loose. True. I feel like a plane landing on the Vegas Strip is kind of the next thing. Yeah, that would be just like the end of, you know, the news when they always have like a funny story at the end. Mm. And in other news. <laughs> and in our weird and wonderful news tonight. <laughs> um, I like how they end up not just on the Strip, but in uh, Fremont Street in Vegas, <laughs> which is completely the wrong direction. It's not where the plane ends. Exactly. It's not, well, none of it, we could do a whole segment on the geography, the Vegas geography. <laughs> the rest of the geography, I was expecting it to be off, but when I looked at the map, it was correct because Carson City goes straight down to like where they were headed. And then mm-hmm. when, do you remember the part when one of the, they had like a dead body who, it was one of the, guys he he was like chasing the plane and he got into the landing gear and then he died in the landing gear and they found him and Mm -hmm. then nick cage wrote a message on his shirt and then (laughs) sent the body out of the landing gear he wrote a um a uh, picture of uh, the last supper cipher um and then the body lands in fresno and i was like oh this isn't oh, is that where it is but actually it's due south so if they were flying to mexico which is i think where they said they were going then it seemed like it was correct that this seems is... to be the standard place that any criminal in a film goes to isn't it mexico yeah i mean where else would you go i mean it's obviously mexico is just full of hoodlums (laughs) what about the tourist plane sarcasm the the transport yeah just i wasn't glossing over that because i thought no i just don't think the (laughs) listeners they can't see my face so i just want to make it clear that that was sarcasm um what were you going to (laughs) ask they put the transponder the transponder (laughs) on uh, a tourist plane that was a good friend's reference. Yeah. To oh, yes. As a decoy. The like Grand Canyon. Really make sense. But yes, yeah, so that goes to the Grand Canyon. So I thought that was a bit geographically off. It was, yeah. Because it didn't Cause... really say where that plane took off from. No. But, or you know, it? it's all kind of in the same area. I mean, that's all yeah. in that same kind of corner. So it, it's not that far. But it didn't really, it wasn't clear where that plane took off from. No. Um, also, Steve Buscemi and the weird pool scene. Oh, God, that was so freaky. With the little girl and they're singing some song together and playing. And that's where he gets the Ken doll, right? Yeah. that where he picks up the Ken doll? Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. There's some disturbing elements of this movie. Like, that's, he is quite freaky, Steve Buscemi. He is, yeah. I like him, though. Yeah, he's good. Very good. <laughs> I didn't like him in this. I mean, he was great in this, but he's not a likable character. No. Uh, let's see. What else did I write down? Um, there was some good lines. Like there was a point when I think in the in prison, um, Nick Cage was trying to learn Spanish at one point, you know, because he, he was using his prison time well. And he was learning Spanish from like a tape and a book. <laughs> and the, did you get the line that he was learning? It's like worse than Duolingo. <laughs> <laughs> is it like I will have two margaritas with my yeah, wife? Yeah, but it's clearly he's talking to the help because he's like, my wife and I will have a margarita on the yacht. So <laughs> it's like clearly you're only learning Spanish to order from the help. Um, that might come in useful if he did end up in Mexico. In Mexico, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else did I write? Oh, there's some great lines, like some terribly great lines. So like... The main John Malkovich guy, his name is Cyrus, and he's kind of like leading the 
the charge of this whole event. Um, and there's one moment where there's like a guy that's asking him, like kind of begging him for his life. And he's like, please sigh. And then John Malkovich goes, Anara, like sayonara. <laughs> so bad. And then it blows up. It's so bad. Oh God. What it's about a- the diabetes subplot? that's so funny (laughs) Bubba from Forrest Gump has diabetes and that's daily sign pasted about (laughs) seven times they don't have his needles if at one point he might need needles at some point yeah well because they had his insulin but then the convicts took his needles for some reason (laughs) I don't know why I also don't really understand how they, because they had like placed some needles in their hands and that was how they, or like, yeah, yeah. That was how they unlatched themselves from their handcuffs. And also they pour petroleum over some poor guy. Oh, God, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can't remember how they do that now. No, it, it there's some, you know, dodgy yeah. plot, jiggery pokery going on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Would you like to hear um, some of the songs from the Con Air original motion picture soundtrack? <gasps> Look it up. <laughs> yes. Con Air theme. Trisha, who's the name of Nick Cage's wife. Yeah. Carson City. <laughs> Factory. <laughs> Lear Crash. Lerner Landing, so Lerner Field is like the the fake airport that they land by the salt flats. (laughs) Romantic Chaos. (laughs) The Takeover. The Discharge. Jailbirds. (laughs) Khan's Checkout Lerner. (laughs) Poe Saves Cops. The Fight. Battle in the Boneyard. Poe Meets Larkin. Bedlam Larkin, Fire Truck Chase, and Overture. <laughs> Fremont Street Overture. <laughs> yeah, it's, it should be that. Oh, I love that Carson City is. <laughs> Carson City. Maybe what I'll do is try to put that as the, uh, I, the I, yeah, as the theme. I can't, I can't hear it here. Like, you know what? Jailbirds would have been a better title. Jailbird. The Jailbirds would have been a much better. Well, I don't know. Like, because there's a point when John Malkovich's like, "Welcome to Con Air." <laughs> he gets on. Cool. He gets on the the PA of the yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. I just like that they that plane. I can't get over it. That plane from the 1950s, which looks like it's about to drop some supplies to Pearl Harbor. Like it does not. It's not a plane you put convicts in. It's there's just, also a bit when uh, they're like, "Oh, how long will it take for the police to arrive?" And, <laughs> Bing Ram says about 10 or 12 minutes. How do you know who says 12 minutes? How did they plan all of this in prison? <laughs> and I don't even think any of them are from the same prisons. No. Because they were all brought in from different places, right? To be transferred to a different prison. And also, when they get on the plane originally, the plane is the most guarded plane in the world. It's got like an army, it's got a helicopter going it's around. A helicopter. <laughs> Like none of this makes sense. <laughs> it's um, it's. I want to say it's good fun, but it's kind of too long, and they're, they're uh, yeah. yeah. It felt a little too long, and like the crashes became like to a point for me where I was like, it's too much. I can't yeah. see any more like things blow up. Like it's you know. 
And I also thought they, I didn't really understand why they were landing various places. No. That needs just... to be tighter. Yeah, I if it if if they had edited it down a little bit and and made that bit tighter, it would have been actually quite entertaining because there are some good lines, like cheesy but good, you know, for an action flick. It's a good kind of hangover day movie, I would say. Yeah, I did yeah. not watch it on a hangover day. I watched no. it on a Friday night, which is not recommended. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking we should do a um, Spotify. Um, playlist of the best potholes themes because conair what is the one the original one that we looked at um the, Wait. <laughs> the brooklyn bridge what's it called the beam or something from i have no idea with hugh jackman and um oh 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 um uh with hugh jackman and meg ryan um yeah. um oh my god <laughs> Is that rom-coms with a sci-fi element, that yeah. one? Yeah. Um, that film is called... Uh, oh, my God, what's it called? <laughs> what's wrong with me? Hugh Jackman, Meg Ryan, star together in Kate and Leopold. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. <laughs> but what was the song? The, the name of the title was something like The Beam. <laughs> oh my god hang on let me look it up uh kate and leopold soundtrack that had a great soundtrack um kate and leopold let's see a moment here we go let me see oh god where is it oh no i found the cd and not the mp3 the beam what was it I can't find it. I'll have to look it up later. Sorry. <laughs> found it. They did. <laughs> oh, the beam. <laughs> so you have to cross the girder. <laughs> the girder. So <laughs> oh, we could have Carson City. The girder. The girder. Oh, <laughs> so good. The one recently <laughs> from. Um, um, <laughs> Dave, the really dramatic ending. Which one? Sorry. From Dave. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah. What was that? Like the president, <laughs> something like president goes, leaves Washington or something. <laughs> Dave leaves Washington. Yeah. We're going to put a, let's put a Spotify playlist together. Oh, such a good idea. Yeah. I am um, um, also how do I live without you is sort of Conair's theme well I know yeah the Trisha Yearwood version which is like ooh, <laughs> it's so like against it's like really clashy with the action movie thing which I yeah I yeah I think it's supposed to be also, ironic but doesn't quite get there daughter doesn't look that impressed by Nick Cage no well no I mean he's got a horrible prison mullet yeah I don't know. Yeah. I just don't, I just, I, I have trouble buying the idea that like a highly trained army ranger with a body of ranger. a weapon, a weapon of a body would, would just like snap so easily in the face of like a couple of bar bullies. Yeah. It doesn't seem. Alabama. Yeah. Really? Next to a nodding donkey. 
exactly. In the rain. And Trisha is like, just don't, Cameron. <laughs> Cameron Leave Poe. him alone, Cameron. Cameron Poe. Cameron, the surname. name does not work for me at all. <laughs> no. Um, I think that's all of my yeah, things so on this movie. It I I cannot say that I would recommend this. <laughs> it's kind of no. good for a laugh. It's good for a laugh, but it's it's that's the problem, the fundamental problem. If it's trying to take itself not seriously, it's not very funny. The but trouble is, is so it would be funny. <laughs> this is like Ross from Friends. If she if she was being serious, then she's not funny and kind of a racist. Yeah. <laughs> but if she exactly. was joking, then it was really funny. But like we because we can't tell immediately whether or not this was a joke, then I have to assume that it wasn't. Mm, yeah. So, so there you go. That's that's my thing. Um, we'll take a short break and yeah. we will return with um a very different film. Um, are we going to start Harvey? Yes. Do you, oh, do you want to do the, the game first? Yeah, let's let's do the game, and then we'll do Harvey after that. So, just say in Brazil, obviously they don't translate titles. So, literally, they always make up a new title. Are these are these movies we've done on this show, or just random? Some of them are, I think. Okay. Yeah, one of them is. Okay, so mostly not. Fine. Mostly so not. just any kind of, from any era. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so God, these are new Brazilian translations translated into English. Okay. As they usually would be. Okay, so the first one is really easy. Shark. I mean, is that Jaws? <laughs> okay. <laughs> they forgot about me. Um, hu- um, oh, Home Alone. That's <laughs> <laughs> really amazing. They forgot about me. <laughs> they forgot about me. I like really, that it's kind of from a different perspective, the title. Yeah. You know, it's like from Kevin's perspective. Sorry, yeah. go on, next one. The Really Big Boss. The Really Big Boss. The Really Big Boss. I don't know. The Godfather. <laughs> I could never get there. I could never get there. <laughs> uh, Flames of Vengeance. Yeah, is... so you said that earlier. Is that Con Air? No, it's Man of Man on Fire, Denzel Washington. Oh God, yeah. And then this one is bizarre. Love doesn't go on holiday. Love doesn't go on holiday. Oh man, what is it? A romance? Is it a rom com? (laughs) Is it the holiday? (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. Makes zero sense. That is literally, they found love on holiday, right? <laughs> and finally, meetings and non-meetings. Meet- wow, that's profound. What is that? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's that could be so many things. It's your favorite film. Lost oh, Lost in Translation, really? Wow, okay. How weird. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, they're definitely meetings. But I guess there's this sort of philosophical thing about the fact that they sort of didn't really link up, did they? Yes, that's probably it. Interesting. That's very quite philosophical. (laughs) But I do like 
they forgot about me. And yes. the really big boss. <laughs> really big boss. Is this true across the board for Brazil? Brazil, like with yeah, Netflix? they always seem to change the names of books. Or is films. this true? Because like you're a, you're a linguophile, so is this true? Like in other languages that you speak fluently, so. like no. Italian or what else? You speak French, right? Um, yeah. I mean, in Chinese, you know, it always. I it will. The next time we'll do let's a do Chinese, Chinese version one. of this. Yeah. I'll I'll write down that because I will. Yeah, I'll forget. <laughs> um, yeah, let's do the Chinese translations of some of these. Yeah. Good. Okay. Okay. Fun. I like that game. That was fun. I like. I think we should have a little a um, new slot. An interlude. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so with some, you know, change of guitar music. Da, 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 da. Um. All right. Let's talk about Harvey. Do you have the IMDb by chance? Let me get it up. Because I have the timer going so that we don't make okay. people's lives too long by going do, do, more do, than do, an do. hour. Do, 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 do. I feel like. Um, Harvey is from 1950, which is the same year as the Con Air airplane was made. <laughs> nice link. I've got another good link with Con Air. Ooh, okay. Due to his insistence that he has an invisible six-foot-tall rabbit for a best friend, a whimsical middle-aged man is thought by his family to be insane, but he may be wiser than anyone knows. He may be. Mm, up for up for debate. <laughs> I like that. I mean, that actually really captures a lot about this film. <laughs> but that's what's funny that's is you never, happens. you don't see the rabbit ever. No. And in fact, it is not a rabbit. Well, it is sort of, but it's, it's a puka. It's a puka, which is a Celtic mythological character, and it can shape shift. I read all about pukas because why not? Oh, yeah. um, and it can take many forms, rabbit being one. But in this case, apparently, the only time we see the rabbit is in the portrait, which yes. is in the living room at one point, and you see um, Harvey, or Harvey the rabbit. Harvey is the rabbit's name for anybody that hasn't seen it. So this is 1950. Have starring... you seen this film before? Oh yeah, several times. Yeah, you like this yeah. film? I like this film a lot, actually. I yeah. like it. I think Did you enjoy good. it? Yeah. It's um, it's funny. It's, it's weird. It's weird, but it's also quite funny. Yeah, it has some like laughs in it, and it it's just kind of a feel good movie in a certain way. Mm. It's a little, um, yeah, it's nice. I like this film. Did you rent this from um, Amazon? Prime? I I did. Did you get an FBI piracy warning? Yeah, the there beginning? are. Yeah, because yeah, Does yeah. That happen normally in Amazon. Um, I think it happens. It used to happen on like every single VHS tape that I ever rented for Blockbuster. <laughs> they always had an FBI piracy warning. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't normally get that on Amazon, but it's on this It's funny that it didn't one, happen for Conair, but it happened for Harvey. I wonder if it's like something about the old Universal Pictures license yeah. or something that they have to continue to keep that front matter on there. Interesting point. I hadn't noticed it, but I like it. So this is based on a play. Which, on a very successful play. Regular listeners will know that that's my pet hate films that were plays. Really? Is hate it? Hate it. Hate I like that. It. Regular listeners should know this, and I don't remember. Well, maybe this. I haven't ranted about it. <laughs> I think you not that much. <laughs> okay, if it's if it was originally a play and then it becomes a film, it really annoys me because sometimes okay, so I can tell this is like a play. It's like it's like all yeah, set in one room. One room. Why do I need to see this? Can you give me some examples of like the the worst version of that? Like what's uh, your fences. worst? Fences. 
I don't think I've seen that. No. It's actually a really good little idea, and I imagine it will be a really good play, but I just watched it. I was like, this is a play, not a film. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I totally see what you mean. And it's it's often you have to really redo the screen play to make it uh, work for the screen. And in this case, she, she Mary Mary Chase is her name. She she won the Pulitzer Prize for the play, and then she helped write the screenplay. Ah, uh, okay. So okay. I think that's probably why it didn't feel too. It doesn't feel like a stage. It doesn't play. feel like a play at all. Yeah. Not no. I mean, there are moments where I'm like, this is quite playish, you know, like when they're setting the kitchen table and there's kind of like interactiveness between several characters. But generally, like, yeah, it it feels like a film. Yeah. Um. So basically, like, it's just Jimmy Stewart is the main character, and he's he's this really sweet man who just loves life, and he has an invisible friend that's a mm-hmm. rabbit named Harvey. He drinks and- martinis with him. Yeah, I mean, fucking awesome. And they, you know, they go downtown to the um, Charlie's Tavern and drink martinis with their crew of, like, kind of lovely barflies. And it's so nice. And like, his, I liked Mr. Meagle the most. Mr. Meagle. He was, he was yes, good, good I liked him a lot. Good old face. Yeah, great. And, like, his family is really ashamed of him. And they're kind of high society, rich people. And they, you know, trying to throw his his sister and his niece, they're trying to throw parties to get his niece married off. And um, they just don't want him around because he's always talking about the rabbit. And like, he thinks the <laughs> rabbit is with him all the time. So he's constantly like moving in the room to like accommodate the rabbit and like have the rabbit sit down next to him and like open the door the gate for the rabbit and the rabbit is tall and like jimmy so this is one thing i read jimmy stewart is naturally a very tall man like he's like six three and that's how tall the rabbit is supposed to be so he says the rabbit is six three and a half or something like that in the film that's what the script says but in real, like in real life, he was imagining a rabbit much taller than him, and he's like massively tall. Yeah. So yeah. Um, basically, it centers around them trying to get him committed to a, a mental institution, and um, then in the process, there are all these hijinks where, like, the aunt or the sister who's trying to get him committed actually gets herself committed. Yeah. It's good. I, I think it was quite it's funny. Really it, was, it was a good little. Um, Classic thing. I think there's not going to be much to take the piss out of apart from old worldy things. Yeah. <laughs> so, number one, I live in old films how cars arrive really loudly so that people inside the house can go, oh, your uncle's here. <laughs> the car <laughs> Also, but like, I mean, okay, this was like in the 1950s, so the cars weren't that loud then. But like, when you think back to like way before times, like an old Model T, it might come like lurching up. But yeah, <laughs> it's like you can't hear that car. You live in a mansion. Like, <laughs> literally, you live in a mansion. <laughs> um, why is the party, why are all the women dressed in black? Oh, good question. I hadn't even noticed that. I but you see. I think that this is a black and white filmmaking thing because they didn't have the benefit of color. And so they would use black clothing to kind of help things stand out. But I don't Mm. know. That's just my guess. I didn't, I hadn't noticed it, but yeah, that's a great point. A lot of the women were also wearing mink 
Yeah. <laughs> you notice that? <laughs> I mean, it was the 50s. That's what they did. But, but this film, though, to me, is really feminist. I don't know if you got Interesting. that. Thing, but I think it's like... Explain. Deeply feminist. So a lot of it really is, I think, trying to expose... Um, elements of like women being suppressed by society and and i don't mean about well it's not just women there's elements of like because harvey uh, not harvey um what's the name of jimmy uh, elwood uh, elwood p dowd so he is somebody who theoretically has a mental illness and he sees a rabbit that's not there but then at the end of the film we're asked to question whether or not that's true mm-hmm. So the whole point of the film is to call into question social norms and social mores and what we really think is normal and what we really value as a society. But there's a whole subplot that revolves around the niece of Edward, Edward Elwood, Elwood and Elwood. the one of the men that works in the mental institution. Wilson. Wilson. And then there is an, an additional subplot between Dr. Anderson and his kind of assistant yes. slash secretary nurse. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing revolves around these men just over talking over these women. These women keep trying to like say something that would totally fix the situation. Yeah. And the men just don't listen and they talk over. And then, and if the women were allowed to like speak up correctly then or well, then that would never happen or it wouldn't have happened. So like Anderson, Dr. Anderson's like a complete jackass, you know, yeah. like he's, he's absolutely dick to this nurse and they end up together at the end, which bothered me. Um, yeah. But like, you know, he kind of accuses her of not listening and not doing anything right. And then there's also a scene where uh, Wilston is um, looking for Ed Elwood. I can't I keep telling what El- Edward. And he basically sexually, sexually assaults the niece. And then like a few minutes later, she makes him a cheese and onion sandwich. Like, what? <laughs> And they end up together at the end. But like, I think the purpose perhaps i don't even know if this was intended but it seems to me it's intended it certainly calls it out today is yeah. to show this like super deep patriarchal you yeah. know situation between men and women at that time and whether or not she was intended to i suspect she probably was yes. and then she softened it off at the end to probably you know make sure that the you know um i don't know what the play ends like but i'm sure the studios were like well it has to be a nice romance so yeah uh, you know I, I imagine, I don't know, it'd be interesting to read the play, but that it I won't go too long on like feminist literature, but like, I feel as though there's some really deep stuff about society and what we consider normal and women and patriarchy. It's, it's like really kind of good. Would you like to know something nice about the nurse? Mm. She's still alive, the actress. Really? She's 96. I liked her. Wow. I really liked her. I thought I had, um... I just I liked all the women in this. Apart the yeah. aunt, the aunt was a little bit bad. But the, she was she was a great actress, oh, wasn't she? Super. So, so and she won an award. She won. An she Oscar. won. She won best supporting actress. Uh, Jimmy mm-hmm. Stewart was nominated and lost out, um, but she did win. Yeah, um, she was great. But do you not think that she looks a little bit like Frank Morgan, the Wizard <laughs> of Oz? Do you know what I mean? She looks like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> she does what a lovely thought <laughs> and you know what who else there's another doppelganger and that is the 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 niece her name is i think myrtle may mm-hmm. she looks like kate blanchett she's galadriel 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. I see yeah. that. She, yeah, looked, uh, I don't know what age she was supposed to be in the Mm-mm. It was a bit odd. She, she looked, looked much old. older than she was supposed to be because they kept talking about her getting married off and stuff. And I think she was supposed to be like 18, but she looked like she was about 40. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I also liked Aunt Ethel. I liked the, Aunt the Ethel. Sort of Scottish led yeah. lady. Yeah. She was good. She hadn't, yeah. She, yeah. And I liked the, um, the 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 their lawyer slash the judge, <laughs> yes, who apprehends um, people. Yeah, he just seems to be like kind of doing whatever needs to be done. Yeah, neither film we've done today has accurate portrayals of judges. I think one gives ludicrous <laughs> sentences, and the other one has like a posse of people who do his bidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Oh, I really like this film. It makes me happy. The ending is really positive. And, yeah. you know, he gets, um, uh, Elwood gets to kind of um, be himself and everybody has to deal with that. And I like that. I like that, you know, they kind of, they accuse him of being an alcoholic and frequenting yeah. the gross taverns downtown. But then you see the tavern and it's like, I want to go to that pub. That's yeah, it's good. Great, it's good right? mm-hmm. Who drinks Harvey's martinis? Good question. Who does? Maybe Harvey does. Maybe Harvey I, we're does. led to believe that Harvey is real at the end. So yeah, the gate opens. Yeah, and and you know the doctor at the um the the insane oh, mental institution, whatever that is called, um yeah. he sees him at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. He and, sees and Harvey. Harvey gets to be with him for a bit. Quickly. I wonder what the the sort of mental institution man did to harvey in the two minutes and then harvey changed his mind <laughs> yeah i that doctor was weird though i wouldn't want to <laughs> hang around with him either because like you don't see him for the first half of the movie we see dr anderson who's his like supposedly his assistant he's the yes. real misogynist like asshole and um he's the one that accidentally commits the ant rather than because yeah. the ant basically brings jimmy stewart in to get him committed because she thinks that he needs to like be committed because he yeah and it and then she accidentally gets herself committed (laughs) instead and it's dr anderson the dick who doesn't listen to anybody that thinks that she has a problem yeah some good names i like chomley's rest oh yeah i know there were some great names actually yeah um elwood dowd is a good name yes elwood and and myrtle Mark. Oh, I loved how um, Dr. Anderson spells out the word trauma. Okay, I noted that down as well. It's like T-R-A-U-M-A. It's it's like, what, and then he compared it to something and they're not at all the same. What did he say? He's like, it's it's like shock. It's not like shock. That's, that's not what that is at all. I mean, you're a psych, psychiatrist, psychotherapist. Another great name is the barman who's named Mr. Cracker. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, I just want to bring back various things, various sayings. Mm, mm, uh, mm-hmm. Hey Mac, I love to bring that back. Hey Mac, my dad says Mac, and I That's yeah, be like, come on Mac. I remember like That's being good. a kid in traffic, and my dad would yell at other drivers and call them hey, Mac. Get out of the way, Mac. I love it. Love it. And also Jimmy Stewart. I declare. Oh, I declare. <laughs> 
love Jimmy Stewart so much. There were some great moments as well where he says, um, like at the end, there's a little moment because he has a kind of a, a little sort of um, energy, I would say, with the nurse assistant. Miss Kelly. Yes. They have a kind of almost a, a little, almost a romance, but he doesn't really, Jimmy Stewart never has a romance, but he could have maybe with Miss Kelly. She kind of liked him. And oh, then Bobby. she got <laughs> fobbed off on that disgusting Mr. Anderson, who's a fucking misogynist. But there's a moment when they're all three sitting in a bar and, and Jimmy Stewart says to her, may I take hold of your hand? Isn't that nice? I'd love that. Yeah. Um, he also says he's recalling a an incident with a with another friend when he first when he supposedly first met Harvey the rabbit. He says he was with somebody else, Mister Something or Other, and he was very sp- spiffed, which he uses to refer to <laughs> yeah, as so, drunk. So spiffed down some way. Spiffed. Yeah. And as the evening wore on, isn't that a lovely? Yeah, so good. And he also says he's talking about somebody called the McElhennies, this other family, and he's like, "Did you ever know?" the McElhenney's there were a lot of them and they circulated <laughs> I just like lost my shit laughing they circulated <laughs> I'm going to bring that back as well uh, I also really like Dr. Anderson he keeps on talking about my formula 979 which is this sort of serum oh yeah <laughs> why is it his? would it be yeah did you oh, invent yeah. this? He, there's also a great one where um he says he had a face that could stop a clock, which is kind of like a face for rate, a face for radio. Um, <laughs> it's a radio is also a really funny expression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is true. I, I also like this line. Don't be didactic. It's not becoming a wo- of a woman of your age. Men loathe it. <laughs> What's didactic mean? <laughs> <laughs> what does didactic mean? It means like, um, deducing things or am i just looking that up <laughs> let's look it up is it like teaching is it like being uh, lecturing yeah lecturing intended to teach particularly in having moral instruction as an ulterior motive <laughs> so don't be like a school marm is essentially yes that? men love it there's also a point when he's when harvey is talking to the doctor um, at the end, there's a scene where, uh, not Harvey, um, Jimmy Stewart, Elwood, is in the doctor's office, the main doctor. And he's had Sorry, the doctor. It's really amusing to be saying Harvey. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the rabbit is having the, the conversation. Well, he's in there with um, the doctor, and the doctor's ha- starting to have a kind of breakdown himself. Mm-hmm. And he's he kind of goes on this weird fantastical rant about what he would do if he could just leave and go somewhere else and he's gonna go stay in this forest and there would be a beautiful woman there and blah 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 and the, the woman wouldn't speak and then um Jimmy Stewart says something along the lines of like um it's a mistake not to let the the fantasy woman talk because you know she might have been some places and seen some things and have some interesting news to talk about and share and that was another moment i thought this is a feminist script <laughs> yeah, yeah it was a really like yeah that's nice true script. actually i really thought about that yeah what is the name of the, the writer mary mary chase 
Mary Chase. Yeah. I mean, I looked her up and, and there was nothing on, you know, the brief small amount of reading I did that said anything about that, but I feel for sure it's gotta be, you know, but I'm sure of the time, you know, you wouldn't have shouted about the fact that you were trying to bring down the patriarchy in the fifties. It's hard enough to try now, but like back then probably wouldn't the movie would have gotten made. So. Did you know that there was going to be a remake recently? Hmm? I did not know Spielberg that. Spielberg was interested. Okay, so here's the here's the connection between this film and Con Air. Well, oh, yes. If this film was made, John Travolta was in the running. So we would have had Nick Cage and John Travolta. Oh, my God. Off. Can you... Um, oh, my God. <laughs> but, like, consider for a moment <laughs> what this movie would be like with John Travolta in the lead... <laughs> I don't want to consider a world no. where that happened. Tom <laughs> Hanks. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Because let's, let's say like Tom Hanks is the kind of modern Jimmy Stewart, right? Yeah. He's, he's that is so true, isn't it? I wonder if he knows that. I mean, I can imagine he must in some way model himself on Jimmy Stewart or have a, an idea that he wants to be a similar type of character. Maybe yeah. not, but it certainly is true. Like, you know, they're both just like the good guy of Hollywood and play all those kind of roles. This kind of slightly daughtery but nice romance guy, but also can play anything because like i mean jimmy stewart <laughs> is in rear rear, uh, rear window and yeah. is that right did i say that right yeah. um and in birds the man who shot liberty balance vertigo yeah. vertigo is what i'm thinking of um yeah i mean he's in so much what tom hanks film would you like to see jimmy stewart do mm, oh my god <laughs> what about the terminal the terminal is what came to mind immediately <laughs> gosh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Napoleon. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, Jimmy Stewart and what's her name? Catherine Zeta Jones. Oh, eating Burger King chicken. That still is the most bizarre <laughs> plot point that Catherine Zeta Jones is into Napoleon. Uh, the yeah. more I think about it, the it is. <laughs> there is. There is nothing that's ever been written that will ever compare to that. Like, how. <laughs> How? Why? What? I'm just really into Napoleon. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's so romantic, Napoleon. That's what he's known for, his romance. <laughs> uh, but then I could see Jimmy Stewart doing um, uh, 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 the one where he talks to the... <laughs> Castaway. <Napoleon>. Castaway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can actually. Well, son... <laughs> Gosh, Wilson, <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever get out of here. <laughs> I can't do Jimmy Stewart, obviously. But. Saving Private Ryan. She must be uh, Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Your Jimmy Stewart isn't bad, Joe. Like, it's Thank pretty you. good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, what other Tom Hanks films could he be God, I don't know. We'd have to have a list of all the Tom Hanks films ever. Um, yeah. Well, I mean... Forrest Gump, but I don't think he'd have been very good in Forrest Gump. No. Well, <laughs> no, maybe not. But maybe... Uh, maybe not Apollo 13. That would be weird, right? <laughs> Jimmy, Stewart, Jimmy Stewart in space? Like, that's one thing we've <laughs> no, never... Yeah. Can you imagine? The Green Mile. I could see him in the Green Mile. I could see that for sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, yeah. There's definite like old old school romance kind of film about that. Yeah. 
So in summary, I thought Harvey was very good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I I like it. So there's another, um, there's a, a mention of Harvey in another film, which I don't know if you'll have have ever twigged about, but perhaps now that you've seen um, I mean, maybe that's not what I'm thinking of. Is it? Mm. No, it's um, Give me a clue. it's so it's a 1990s Kevin Costner film. <laughs> oh, Field of Dreams. Yeah, good, very good. So are they watching it at some point? Yeah, the daughter is watching it, and Kevin Costner tells her to turn it off that that it's he's sick. Um, Which I think I think about that a lot. I'm like, but he's not sick. He's sweet. No. So I I, I wonder funny. like why Kevin Costner's character doesn't like Harvey, and I want to investigate why that was written that way from Field of well, Dream. That sounds like a classic um, prequel origin mm. story. Ooh, yeah. Let's write it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be com- there's some time travel involved there. Yeah. Um, because Kevin Costner's in Field of Dreams. Kevin Costner is from like this, like he's a '60s, you know, like he's a hippie, right? They yeah, were like, is, is it the '60s? Yeah, well, no, I mean 50s, it was it? no, I mean Field of Dreams was set and and made in the early, very early '90s. But um, it's kind of it's kind of the idea is that they were '60s hippies that had been, you know, in yes. college they were protesting Sorry. Berkeley. I'm getting a mix up with League of Their Own. <laughs> Oh my God! League of Their Own was sort of the war, right? It was World War Two. Yes, yeah, because yeah, that's when all the men went off to war. And <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe we've done so many movies on this podcast. Yeah, we have. You know, I don't think I'd remember any of them. Well, we couldn't remember Kane and Leopold. So. I mean, I've got our, I've got our spot, our our Spotify, our SoundCloud up. I could tell you all of them, but yeah, we've done a lot, and like I'll forget them and be like, "What? Like, what did we do for witches and wizards?" Was <laughs> I know what that was? Willow. Willow. Um, focus, focus. Um, focus, focus. <laughs> so good. Um, unlikely prisons. That was our number first ever one. Do you remember what we did? Because I mentioned this the other day, and you were like, "Did we do that?" And I was like, "It was our first episode." Space, Space Jam, Jam, wasn't it? Yeah, and Biodome. And Biodome. <laughs> I quite remember watching Biodome. Uh, yeah, you kind of, you have to block it out. Wasn't that it, the early format though, where I would do one and you would do one? Yeah, we we tried that in the first one, it didn't work. So yeah. I'm glad that we've changed track on that. Um, yeah, we've done birthdays, reptiles, TV to movie, intertwining seasonal geology. We've done geology and geography now. <laughs> Pretty awesome. <laughs> and what was geography? <laughs> oh, that, that was the one we, did we last just week. did. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it was geology. like you know, British geology was um, a view to a kill and <laughs> what's it called? <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Wait. Oh, uh, was it Dante's Tremors? Is that what we did? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh my God. See, some of these I can't remember either. So, um, we've reached the end of our a uh, little yeah, more sorry. than an hour. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap us up and say thank thank everybody for listening. And we have no idea what we'll be doing next month because we're playing everything by ear. Uh, but thanks for listening. Find us on Twitter at Plot Holes Pod. Um, give us a review Happy in Easter. the App Store if you use it. Happy Easter. Yeah. So that's. 
to wrap it up that's what this theme was about ha 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 okay it's time to i don't know what are we going to play for the outro are we going to play um carson city City. (laughs) okay i'll try to get that on uh right thanks everybody Without you, I want to know.